0: Hi, everybody. I'm Barbara, compulsive overeater. So glad to be with you today. And it's my understanding we have 15 minutes each in this session, not 20. So So
1: I think it's because the last session went over. So maybe they're changing it. My script says whatever whatever it is,
0: the timer could give me a five minute warning. I'd really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: Okay, awesome. So I know it's been a little crazy getting in the space and getting here with all of you. But here we are. And now we're going to have our session on principles and steps, and I'm so glad to be sharing it with you. So for me, it's interesting because normally when I speak at meetings or conferences, I don't like to think about it in advance. I just show up. I ask God to speak through me and I say whatever I say. Usually it's my own story, but something like this needed a little preparation. You know, I can't just come in and off the cuff, talk about the principles of the steps. So um, I probably overthunk it a bit, but you know we'll see but it's also the exercise to do so this is my personal opinion i don't represent oa as a whole and it's based on my experience strength and hope in my time in recovery and my time in this program so just to qualify i came into oa in 1973 i've been abstinent continuously since the date i use is august 30th of 1975 um, I picked that date because it was after a while I realized that I actually was staying abstinent and had to backtrack. So that may not be the actual real life historical date, but it's the one that I've used. So just to give you some context for my talk, when I came in, we didn't have any OA literature to speak of. I mean, we had a few pamphlets. We used all AA stuff. We even had AA speakers in our meetings. So those of you who've come in more recently who think of the principles in terms of what's listed at the beginning of each chapter in the 12 and 12, the 12 principles of the steps, and there's also 12 principles of the traditions and actually 12 principles of the concepts, but those didn't exist. Those were not at all in our consciousness in those days. As a matter of fact, the first 12, we didn't even have 12 and 12, we just had the 12 came out I believe in 1990 and the first edition of the 12 and 12 and 93. So I was already in the program for 20 years when that happened. And I don't remember what was in the first edition in the 12, but I know that in the 12 and 12, the only place that this tradition, that the principles were laid out in that kind of clear, here are the principles of recovery, here are the principles of the steps was in the narrative of step 12. And I remember seeing that when I'd go to you know, step meetings and we'd read that chapter. And I have a recollection of even at a few times in my share later, pointing that out. It's like, isn't that really cool that they have a summary of what the principles are in here? And it wasn't even anything any ever picked up on. We didn't talk about it. We didn't elaborate on it. We didn't have sessions on it for many years. So my understanding of the principles is informed by all the that 20-year history I had before I paid any attention to, and it was only more recently in in the second edition of the 12 and 12 that they were put in front of the chapters. So that's some of the context for me, just based on my own history and experience in the program. So, you know, where do the principles come up? So my, my first experience, obviously we just heard the steps. So in step 12, you know, it's, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we carry the message and we practice these principles in all our affairs. Great. You know, and then it shows up in the traditions in tradition 12 where we're told to put principles above personalities. Okay, got it. A couple of places where we're mandated to think about principles. And principles show up in the big book. I kind of looked, um, I'm a librarian by profession. So if I'm gonna do any research for any, you know, I research, so, um, know and i didn't count how many times but what was interesting to me looking in the big book was that even though they talk about the importance of spiritual principles repeatedly they don't lay out what they're supposed to be you know they just say we're supposed to live by spiritual principles you know repeatedly they say that but they don't they don't list it like we do in the 12 and 12. so i found that kind of interesting and then you know so where did these come from you know where did these 12 things come from so I'm not quite sure. And this is not a history lesson, this is my experience. So, but I think Bill Wilkinson kind of did it and AA has a list and you can go online and find a bunch of different lists and they're not all the same. And and actually the AA one I found they they switched eight and nine for what we have in OA, like we've got, and I wrote these down because I don't remember them all by heart but we have self-discipline for eight and love for nine. And they had love for eight and discipline for nine. So okay. I don't know why that switch happened. You know, I think that AA1 predated ours. It doesn't really matter. But my point is that I think that having these delineated in that way is good and bad. Let me explain why. So I think it's good in that I think it's been useful and helpful for many people to say, okay, living a spiritual life embraces having faith, being honest, having courage, having integrity, being of service. You know, I'm not gonna lay out what they all are. You can read the book and find, you know, I didn't want to spend my talk telling you what was in the book. You can read the book to find out what's in the book. You don't need me to tell you. So, but more importantly than that, I, I you know, in the context of the program as a whole, so a few things. So first of all, the big book tells me that what's in the book was meant to be suggestive and that we're gonna learn more. So, okay, coming up with these could be considered part of the what we've learned more in the years since the big book has been written, that we've we've learned to associate some of these things. So that, that's all good. But where I have trouble with it is if it becomes prescriptive, like saying to me, oh, I have to be honest because that's what the first step tells me. And rather than the way I see the steps is, much more fluid than that, much more holistic than that. And I don't know necessarily what my personal experience is gonna be in working that step and what I'm gonna glean from it. And so I don't really want someone to tell me what that should be. I want to learn that by the process of working that step. And so I can give different names to some of these. It doesn't make the ones they have wrong, but I could say step one for me is about clarity as much as it is about honesty. You know, admitting something means I finally can see it, you know, step two can be as much about belief as it can be about hope. Step three about surrender. And we talked a lot about surrender back in the day, you know, step four, courage. Yeah. but Also trust. I had to really trust somebody before I could, you know, trust that process, trust that it would work. I'm sorry, step five, really trust. I had to really trust somebody before I could turn a fourth step over to them, before I could admit those deep things. And I could go through each one and give you alternatives that are just as plausible in my mind. So it doesn't make any of them right or wrong, but it just means, you know, I think it's it's sort of more broader, perhaps. You know, the other thing about it that I think is that, you know, if you talk to any of us, people will kind of have their, you know, what they think the program boils down to. Actually, Bill Wilson said he felt that humility was the underpinning of all the principles, of all the steps, humility was kind of the basis. You could also say, because the goal of the book and the goal of the steps is to have a spiritual experience that, you know, spiritual awareness or God consciousness or Living a God directed life is the overarching principle of all of the steps, whatever that looks like. You know, some people would say there was somebody, I used to go belong to this group in Connecticut when I lived in Stanford, and there was one guy in the group, and he would always say, Love and service. That's what it's about. It's about love and service, you know, and somebody else might say, It's about something else. And to me, I guess. What that's like, it's a little bit, I don't know if you all know, like the story of the blind men and the elephant, you know, it's a, it's a sort of folk tale and it's a bunch of blind men and they're feeling an elephant and they're all feeling different parts of it. And like, so one guy's feeling the tail and it feels like a rope. He said, an elephant is like a rope and somebody else is feeling the ears and you know, their big ears and it says, oh, an elephant is like a fan because that's what the fan, you know, it feels like. And so on for all the different parts. So I think that's kind of what saying the program is about love and service. You know, the, the principles and the steps for love and service. Yes, but there's also all those other parts. So, you know, in, in tradition, when we talk about unity, not uniformity, and, you know, we don't all have the same plan of eating. We don't all sponsor in the same way. We don't go to the same meetings. We don't even work the steps in the same way. And so I think that's also true about, what principles in our hearts we feel are spiritual principles. And some of that can also be guided by our own personal histories, the faith traditions we come from. You know, the ones that were first embedded in the 12-step program come out of Christianity. I personally, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Jewish. And we have people from many other faith traditions here. So you know it's up, I think, a little for interpretation. So how do I want to see it personally? in my own life. And um, I guess what I hold dear, or what has been a guiding principle for me in terms of the program is years ago in a meeting, I have no idea who it was. I have no idea- Gentle reminder. Thank you. Um, But someone said that they wanted to live their life as if they were the only copy of the big book that someone would ever see, you know? And I thought, oh, wow. And it gave me goosebumps. And I really have held that to heart. And, you know, this is where, you know, none of us can maintain perfect adherence to these principles where not saints comes in. You know, no way have I been able to adhere to that perfectly or to any of the principles. You know, progress, not perfection with lots of 10th step thrown in, (laughs) you know, to clean up the messes that I create along the way. But but I aspire to that. That's what I aspire to. So what does that look like? And it may be being honest. It may be that other stuff. But again, I like to think of it more holistically. So in the holistic, it's, am I living my life in a way that's a blessing? Am I living my life in a way that makes the world a little better because I've been here? You know, the people who are in my life, is that a positive experience for them to have known Barbara? or to have experience of being with me. You know, it's not whipping out my pictures and saying what I used to be like, or telling people all that I've gotten from the program, or even talking about my higher power. It's, can I embody what spiritual principles look like? And that could mean being nice, you know, to the waiter, and to the clerk at the supermarket, and even to a telemarketer, and that's one place where progress, now perfection comes into me. I'm still working on the being nice to telemarketers part. but I aspire to be nice even to telemarketers because they are somebody with a really crap job who gets abuse all day long. And, you know, I could at least have some compassion for them. So I will get there. I'm not really nasty to them, but I am curt, you know, no thank you, you know. But anyway, so that's what I want to be. That's what the principles of the steps look like to me. It's to the extent that I can be conscious enough and in gratitude enough and sober enough. And spiritual enough, yes, to live my life in that way. And, you know, thanks to all of you, the many people in the fellowship, to the literature, to the working of this beautiful program that was given to us, which is such a gift. You know, I'm I'm way farther along that path than I was when I walked in the door in 73 or 75 or 80 mm. or 90. And, you know if I cooperated God willing, I know there'll be more and I'll see it differently tomorrow. I may see this differently in an hour. I like to talk first because I like to get it out of the way then I don't think about my talk and I can really listen to everybody else rather than, oh my God, I should have, you know. So I may hear something one of the other presenters says or somebody who shares today, thinking, oh, I was all wrong, totally different. If I gave this talk tomorrow, it would be another talk and a friend of mine said this to me the other day cuz I was nervous about doing this and and she said yeah remember there's three talks there's the one you plan to give the one you give and the one you wish you gave you know and the bottom line of that is to just keep a sense of humor i'm not that important i have my 15 minutes in the spotlight i sit down somebody else gets up for 15 minutes you are all going to take from this exactly what you want to hear which may or may or may not even be what i said and <laughs> That's part of the miracle of this and somehow doing it, we all get better listening to each other, sharing each other, integrating what we've said through our own experience and our own perceptions and our own belief and our own passion for this program. And so with that, I'll end and I'm so grateful to be with you today, thanks.
2: Thank you
1: so much, Alice. I got so much out of it and I really appreciate everything you said and i'm an old timer 44 years and i learned a lot from you today so thanks for sharing and um our next panelist is panelist is alice c thank you terry i'm alice and i'm a grateful compulsive overeater and thank you barbara for a great share gosh and your recovery and also when i my first meeting of Years Anonymous, I'm a latecomer for serious. I was 41 and that was March 28th, 1988. And I did not have the desire to stop eating compulsively. I just didn't want to chew for a couple hours. Transit time would come to an hour. The meeting was an hour. I was in pain. I had TMJ. Okay. Seriously. And all I wanted to do at that meeting was get out and have a burrito and a cigarette. So, <laughs> Um, But by the grace of God, I got it. The last speaker, the last person who shared brought it home to me, I got it. Um, So when uh, my current sponsor and I started working together back in March, I think it was March, started using this new 12 and 12. Now this was new to me too, because when I started the program, I also, as Barbara had experienced and many of us did, there was no OA literature. There were some pamphlets, but I cut my teeth on the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the AA 12 and 12. And that's what I used for years. So started working with my sponsor, and I, you know, I had the new book. Yeah, I had this. Of course, I bought this. And if I would have had this book 33 years ago, I would have poo-pooed it. What? Spiritual principles? Screw that. You know, I just needed to lose weight. You know, I just got to lose weight. I also realized at the end of my first meeting that it was more for me than losing the weight. I had a malady. I had a spiritual malady. I had a hole right in my right there in my heart. My body just I had a hole. I was empty and I need to be filled. Didn't fill it with food anymore. So why the spiritual principles intrigued me? I was looking at this, we started going through the, uh, my sponsor and I started going through the uh, this 12 and 12, page by page by page. And there are these spiritual principles. And I thought, this is really cool. And so step one, we admitted we are powerless over food and our lives have become unmanageable. Well, honesty is a spiritual principle. If I'm not honest, honestly believe, that I am powerless over food, how am I possibly going to go into the next step? How am I gonna actually be, I have to be honest that I have a deadly disease, that this will eventually kill me or at least give me a life of continued misery. Continued misery was the choice. So. I'm going to breathe. <laughs> um, I love it that this book has this new edition of the 12 and 12 has so much more to it. Each one of the steps has the spiritual principle. And I, I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to not only work the steps with a new sponsor, but a new way of looking at each one. So you know, step one is honesty. So if I'm not completely honest, as I said earlier, I'm basically not going to move onward to the next step. Next step came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Well, I'm perfectly sane. Yeah, not. I knew that I had a spiritual malady. There was something not just not quite right. But food had worked for me for 31 years and then it didn't work anymore. It was trying to get me. Um, so when I'm honest about the fact that I am powerless over food, I can move on to step two. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore, or is that three again? Oh my God. Um, yeah, I'm nervous too. <laughs> uh, step two came to believe, yeah, that a power greater than, a my, than myself could restore me to sanity. And the spiritual principle there is hope. Well, it's more than just, I hope so. And um, the tune, um, remember that tune? Some of us that are old enough to remember that we had high hopes. High hopes, we have high hopes. And I did. You know, and I was really high. I was high on Overeaters Anonymous and the potential offered to me so freely in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, one day at a time, one hour at a time. What a fellowship, we are a ship of fellows. I was so stoked to be abstaining. And Anyway, so step two, the principle of hope, the spiritual principle of hope tells me that uh, coming to believe in a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, gave me the hope, hope that my life could change into a healthier, happier life. I definitely had high hopes. And I gotta tell you people, I was really high, I'm serious, I keep saying I was really high on OA and I used to do a lot of drugs. I know what high is. And I stopped doing that back in September of 87 because they didn't work for me anymore. Food did. Step three, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood it yeah spiritual principles faith that tells me that I fully believe and acknowledge that's what I got out of it I fully believe and acknowledge that in taking the action with step three I have trust and faith that God does for me what I cannot do for myself does that sound familiar God does for me what I cannot do for myself. And then I also thought, too, yeah, and faith alone avails us nothing. Faith without, faith without works is dead. I have responsibility for myself and for my recovery. What other people do or say is none of my business. And I have to, I carry that into my with my sponsees. What they do or say is none of my business. Um, and it is they're helping me. Sponsors help me. It's a two-way street. Um, having had this deep onx, this deep awareness that Overeaters Anonymous could work for me, and that's what I got the, at the end of the first meeting. I, uh, like I said earlier, I had no interest in any of this stuff, you know, and everybody in the room was just happy and they were just very happy and joyous and free. And I was like, leave me alone. The person that greeted me, at the door was super friendly. He's still in the program back East now. And I hadn't, I had no interest, but at that last speaker, I knew this would work. I had no doubt, no doubt at all and i broke down crying crying tears of happiness um i asked him to sponsor me i don't sponsor women he took me to the back room i literally fell on my knees this woman sitting in the back room will you sponsor me can you be my one. it takes a change person
2: to change other people it
1: takes Thank you, Ellen. Thank you. Um, I was a changed person. <laughs> and every day is an opportunity to continue to grow and change and practice, practice, practice. I used to play the piano when I was a kid you know, around fifth grade. And I played for some time until um, the arthritis affected me and And uh, and it takes practice to get a skill. Takes practice working the program of overeaters anonymous. Takes practice for me. That's just it. I um, am really grateful for uh, a woman in the fellowship has opened her doors to her home, and I I drive a distance to go to a face to face meeting once a week. Thank you so much. And. And I have to share something to be honest with you people here that, you know, I have opinions. Yeah, I have opinions. Well, if only, you know, this and that. And I just keep doing this because I can take my own inventory, not anybody else's. So I'm actually working on another inventory. And that's another thing I'm really grateful for with this edition of the 12 and 12. My goodness, the fourth step inventory in there is so wonderful. I've never done this before. Just answer the questions. I'm used to using the three columns of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's what I've done for quite a while. Um, I've been in committed step studies where we did other things and this works. So step four, the spiritual principle is courage. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage to do an inventory, a personal inventory. And then in step five, when I admit to another person, this when I read my inventory, whew, that takes a lot of integrity. That's the spiritual principle on both of us, both of us, because anonymity, there it is. That's the spiritual principle, too. And willingness, step six, to continue on, to move along the road of happy destiny. Step seven, humbly ask God to remove my shortcomings. Well, I wrote some letters to my higher power, and I said, here, I wrote down some stuff. I wrote, and I I even sent part of my inventory in the mail to my higher power. I put a postage stamp on it, too, and put it in the mail. I used to work in the post office back in 1970. I know where that went. It went into a bag of junk mail. I don't think anybody read it. It would have been boring having humility as a spiritual principle gives me the opportunity for change, gives me the opportunity to change, to accept the fact that I can change. And step eight, the spiritual principle of self-discipline I've got to have discipline, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends and them all, it takes a lot of discipline. I remember the first time I did that, I had a spiral notebook and I had all these columns of people and I would sit there and go, oh shoot, oh shoot. That's not what I said to, I didn't say, oh shoot. I said, oh my goodness, I, this is to me, is evidence of being willing to go to any length. My first sponsor, when I asked him to be my sponsor, he asked me, are you willing to go to any length for your recovery? And I said something totally facetious and he just looked at me and I said, yeah, yes. So I was and still am. That's why I'm here today. Step nine, the spiritual principle is love of myself too. I have to love and appreciate myself. When I make direct amends to those people that I listed before, making direct amends to such people where we're possible, except when to do so would injure them and others, I wrote a letter to myself, too. I made amends to myself. I think I'll do that today, too. I think I'll do, when I do my I'm going to do a tenth step later today and. I'm going to write an amends to myself on this too, because I tend to self-denigrate myself. I cut myself down. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly amended the spiritual principle perseverance. There we are, trudging the road of happy destiny, trudging the road of happy destiny. And that road... <sighs> At the beginning for me it was really painful it had a lot of rocks and hard places and i just kept doing it i was off-roading you know i was hiking the road of happy destiny and then we get to step 11 sought through prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Spiritual, oh, thank you. The spiritual awareness is awareness. I have to be, I'm reminded to be grateful. And step 12, I'll wrap it up. Having had a spiritual awakening and my timer went off too, is service. We carry the program. We carry it in all the service that we do. And the first service that any of us do is attending the meeting. Thank you for letting me share. And I look forward to hearing the next panelists. Thank you so much for everybody here today. Thank you so much, Alice. That was a beautiful rendering of the steps and the principles. And uh, now our third speaker is Jeremiah. So let's welcome Jeremiah.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Jeremiah. I'm a compulsive eater in San Francisco. Uh, my abstinence date is January 7th, 2010. And my home group is the Century Meeting here in San Francisco on Tuesday nights. Uh, thank you so much, Barbara. and Alice. really great to hear from both of you. Um, and thank you so much for allowing me uh, to be of service today. Um, recovery is confusing, and recovery can be really intimidating. Uh, many people hear about the 12 steps and they think that the whole process, you know, is really complicated. I've worked with sponsees and I have listened to returning members who have left, you know, the rooms while working really crucial steps like four and six and nine. Um, And it's precisely why it's so important to have a real clear understanding of the principles of our program. it was really interesting. I, in listening to the two previous panelists, you know, when they started, there was not a lot of literature. Now we're inundated with literature, and people's interpretations of literature. Um, but these principles are basic spiritual concepts that help guide these steps. And when we can grasp the underlying idea behind the step then it really simplifies things and it makes it easier for you to identify the path, make the decision to get on it, and then follow the path of your food sobriety journey. Um, I wanted to narrow the path a little bit. I figured going last, we would really have covered the principles. So uh, I'm just gonna speak on two principles today, um, willingness and humility, which are the principles behind steps six and seven. Um, My first time through the steps, uh, these two steps were the hardest for me uh, to wrap my head around. And the deeper understanding of the principles behind them really helped me in moving forward. So as you have heard today, you know the sixth principle is willingness. Um, and I found that during the sixth step, you know, the principles really began to work in combination with each other. Um, willingness for me, is an active decision to stop holding back. You know, in some ways it's really an extension of the principle of honesty, um, which guides step one, but it's the relaxing of my ego. It's the relaxing of my will. It's letting go of my own preconceptions of my stubbornness and giving permission for my recovery to proceed it's an act, I'm actively given permission for my recovering to move forward. Um, step six you know, is one of the more difficult steps because it's the culmination of everything that has come before. This is where you let go of those behaviors and the attitudes that are really holding you back. And the reason that this step is so difficult is because those behaviors and those attitudes that are being let go have sometimes been the only ways to cope that we have ever known. Um, I believe I heard correctly, the previous panelists entered the rooms at 40. I entered the rooms at 30. That's 30 years of behavior that I have had to course correct, right? That means sometimes we have to relearn a whole new way to interact with the world. And for us, food shapes the world in ways we can't even comprehend. Uh, It sometimes shapes the entire world, right? The nature of our addiction means that we are always thinking about food. And if you're like me, you're not only thinking about food, but you're also thinking about the food that everyone else is eating So that means that, you know, in order to change, you have to do a lot of really hard work. And for me, I needed to admit that I was really ready for that hard work. Willingness is purposefully having an open mind, remaining consciously committed to accepting new ideas um, new concepts and you know, some ways of doing things, even if you don't understand, or more importantly, if you're not comfortable with it at first. Um, you have to have hope and faith that you know your higher power has you on the right path. And um, again, during recovery, we're asked to reflect on concepts that are new or do things that you know we find really difficult. Um, my first sponsor said, and I even have this hanging in my closet that, um, I seek guides in my life and understand that they may different than, you know, I expect or even anticipate, but it is my willingness to do whatever it takes to recover that will help me while I am continuing to learn and grow in the program. So that's, uh, That takes us to humility, which is, you know, the principle of the seventh step. And um, some people, myself included, have a real hard time uh, grasping this principle because the modern definition of it uh, is associated with weakness, um, passivity, um, punishment. But during the conception of the 12 steps, uh, humility was more about having uh, the proper perception of oneself. Um, oh, Bill W said this, and I'm going to butcher it. I hope you get the spirit of it. Um, humility is um, something like the clear recognition of, of what and who we really are, followed followed by a sincere attempt of what we can be, Yeah of what we can be or of who we can be. And for me, it's very much like the third step, but it is more specific. Um, You know, we did the moral inventory. We see ourselves as we are, you know, the bad and the good. Um, The truth is many of our shortcomings are, are intertwined with our addictions. And because I am powerless over the food, I'm just as powerless to overcome my shortcomings on my own. And for me, this is where the principle of humility comes into play. When I am humble, I admit when our way of doing things isn't working and when I need help to overcome specific problems in my life. There are three reasons why humility is is so important when working step seven. First, it allows us to recognize the severity of our defects. Without humility, it is possible that we will underestimate or minimize the impact of our actions, right? Because the call is always coming from inside the house, right, when it is filtered through our brain we cannot have clarity. Two, it allows us to recognize our own limits. Um, We have to be humble enough to understand that alone, um, our intellect, our reasoning, um, our willpower um, are not enough to overcome our addictive behaviors. And I think most importantly, then it allows me to comprehend the enormity of my higher power's ability to transform my life. I come to a realization that there is something greater than both myself and my addiction. And because it is greater, then my higher power can restore me to sanity. So the principle of humility is really important to my recovery because by recognizing how addiction was controlling my life, I can better understand the work that is necessary to distance myself, Jeremiah, from the disease. But when the definition of humility is expanded, then it further demonstrates the need to set aside my stubbornness, uh, my pride, um, most importantly, my ego, because that's uh, number one for me. While I put my trust, you know, in my higher power and the recovery process, it is the opposite of addiction-driven selfishness. Not thinking less of myself. It's thinking Five minutes. Of myself. Thank you. It's thinking of myself less, right? Not thinking less of myself, just thinking of myself less. That means I have to stop being beholden to my wants and my desires. Because look where it got me. But asking for the removal of my shortcomings that have held me back really demonstrates how much I want to break free, how much you want to break free. And when I'm humble enough to admit that my self-centered ego, my pride, my stubbornness, my wants, my desires, all have helped support my active food addiction, then I begin to realize that there must be a better way. So uh, I I thank you all for asking me to be of service. These are just two guiding principles that have really gifted me uh, with the opportunity to restore uh, my food sobriety, my sanity, and um, serenity to my life. And I'm so honored to be here and eager to hear your shares. Thank you.